come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your poltergeist, Kinsey. I'm your poltergeist, Donna. And I'm your poltergeist, Mac. And this week, we watched the 2022 film X, written and directed by Ty West. That's a dude, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So let's... (laughs) Did you have to ask? (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) So let's go around. Had you seen it before? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Yeah, okay. Um, I hadn't seen it before, and no. All right. I had not seen it before. I felt pretty ambivalent about it um, for most of the runtime, mainly because it was very committed to being boogie nights without really any of the depth (laughs) for for like it didn't feel like a horror movie for long stretches. It was just, hey, it's it's a it's a it's a movie about porno that's essentially a porno movie i'm like well that's fine my wife came in when i was about five or ten minutes into it and and she was like what the hell are you watching and i'm like cabin and she was like but nobody's dying and i'm like okay it feels like a film's excuse but i think some people are going to die so bear with me here um but (laughs) the the final moments with the sheriff and the camera i i laughed genuinely and with such delight that it moved me over to begrudgingly liking it. Okay. So wasn't so, enough. Wasn't <laughs> enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, surprise, surprise. I had seen this before. I actually caught this in theaters and I, I dig it. I dig Ty West stuff. I probably should have in our group chat preface that he's a slow burn kind of guy, mm. but he also does really well in the wheelhouse of, setting films in the past and where it feels like yes it's it was made then and so i probably should have prefaced that with that right uh house of the devil still one of my favorites one of my mm-hmm. absolute favorites of his. that that aspect i really like that it, it felt like an a slasher movie of the 70s that had just been undiscovered yeah, and and there are so many movies that will try to set it in that era, but don't get it right at all. And yeah, that oh, sure had, had it not been for the final moments, I may have still begrudgingly liked it for that reason. But uh, yeah, sure. Well, we can just slide right into it. And I don't mean to suggest that there were no redeeming qualities oh, at no. all. Oh no, Kid, Kid Cuddy um, as Jackson was a bright point at every moment he was on screen. I, there was, there was never a moment that he was on screen that I did not enjoy his performance. I just realized it was Kid Cudi. <laughs> like I even have a cast list written down. I'm like, Oh wait, that's Kid Cudi's real name. Oh damn. Okay. <laughs> now I'm, now yeah. I'm good. And he was, he was fantastic at every moment. Um, He was, he was fantastic being a porn star, but he was also fantastic being an ex-Marine. I mean, I have known enough former um, Marines to tell you that he was being a former Marine. He was being 100% a former Marine. And um, um, I mean, he was, he was fantastic in the role um donna i'm uh, gonna pause you real fast before we get too deep into spoilers just to let everybody know what this movie is about before we get too deep into that for those who don't know i promise i will be super fast but max nemesis imdb wants you to know and we we got to do our thing i i I, it's fine you you, we got to do our thing that in 1979 a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural texas but when a reclusive elderly host catch them in the act, catch them in the act, the cast finds themselves <laughs> fighting for their lives. I'm sorry, gang, I didn't pre-read that. And yeah, okay, I'm rural is always a hard. 
You put rural in something you gotta read out loud and you're already gonna be tripped up. I've started then I get into 30 rock. I get 30 rock in my head with the rule. Rule. I see I'm doing it now, so I'm just gonna stop. But anyway. Rural juror. Yeah. Um yes, it's about that, but ultimately I think this gets to a point that I was making earlier, or actually you made that I agreed with. Uh and it's with one more attempt. Uh, they finally got the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre right. Because <laughs> this film is slavishly devoted to the original Texas Chainsaw, uh, maybe to a fault, but also it, it gives it that authenticity of that that era. Um, two two kind of other things that in in maybe in two one thing in favor of the movie, one thing to ding it on. Uh, in uh, f- favor, it's so good in its homage to Texas Chainsaw that it made me like this year's Texas Chainsaw Massacre even less than I already did. So anytime a movie can, without saying a name, drag another movie, that that feels like a a very life-affirming thing. And the second thing is there's that big title early on in the movie that says 1979. And I didn't need that. There was nothing happening in this movie <laughs> that wasn't 1979. Like you didn't need to tell me when it was happening. I would have been. I would have guessed within two years and gotten right. Um. Well, if we're talking about over, if we're talking about what the movie is about, um, you know, as soon as A24 popped up on the screen, I went, "Oh shit." Because I don't think I have loved an A24 movie yet. I mean, Hereditary Hereditary definitely punched me right in the feels, but I have not really loved an A24 movie yet. Um, but this one really kind of um, offended me at a, at a really basic level. Because here's the thing. If you want to make a movie about how being old is horrible and you want to focus on um the way society treats our elderly i will be on board i will be with you that society does not take care of our elderly people and i will be like yes yes we need to do better by our elderly we absolutely 100 do but if you want to focus your movie on how being old is gross and disgusting and horrible like no man that's not cool that is not okay and that seemed to be a focus this movie was taking that being young is all about being great and awesome and being old is horrible and gross and disgusting and i'm not okay with that it was very disrespectful and and i didn't like it um you 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 know like they could have made an argument that pearl was the way she was because she was neglected and lonely and i would have been like yeah okay yeah pearl needed attention and love that she wasn't getting you know maybe maybe her children i don't know if she has children but maybe her children neglected her maybe society wasn't taking care of her and and that's a problem that we need to address but we didn't we just she's old and gross and that's the problem she's old and disgusting and gross and and i'm i'm not on board with that and i was really put off by the movie just from that argument and then when we show them finally having sex it was a big display of how gross it is that old people have sex and i'm like fuck you just fuck you fuck you tie whatever the fuck your name is old fuck you old people have sex and that's great awesome for old people having sex so fuck you fuck you there i'm done but donna how did you feel about the movie (laughs) (laughs) what's his name i want to insult him by his full name ty west ty west fuck you ty west fuck you (laughs) i i agree with that that it was it any reach for social relevance collapses in under it, it collapses under its knee it's ultimate desire to be a horror movie uh, this brings in a question you were damning all of a24 but have you seen everything everywhere all at once yet no okay it's an a24 movie beautiful life-affirming pro old people and uh wonderful mac i trust you i trust you 
I, I wouldn't yes label and... something as something if it wasn't that. Okay. And I yeah. yes and Mac on that film. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm 50-50 on A24, and I had forgotten this one was. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is why I give them a chance, because I do like this one. And I did not realize that everything, everywhere, all at once was A24 as well. I will go give that movie a chance, and then maybe I can take away my I have not liked anything by A24. I, I believe you will enjoy it, and that's okay. not a, a an objective statement of quality. It is, oh, Don and I think would like this. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's my favorite movie of the year, but it also, I think, brings an interesting point is can a... Because, like, this movie kind of reaches for some of those ideas you talked about, like, um, don't, don't neglect old people. Old people have worth. Old people have agency. But with it being ultimately a slasher movie, all of that kind of falls apart under the blood and mayhem and the gross out factor. Can a horror movie really reach for those sort of messages or ideals or even morals for lack of a better term and not undercut their point by having to be a horror movie? Um, you know, I'm, I'm about to actually hold up Rob Zombie's Friday the 13th as in Halloween, Halloween, hold up rob zombies he remade friday the 13th why why is this happening lord (laughs) as an example um which is not a sentence i ever thought i would say Uh, or i would hear yeah but he met he 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 took now i've just confused myself hold on the shape okay he took the shape and made him sympathetic which is not a thing i needed to happen which is not a thing any mean the whole point of the shape is that he's inhuman um so i don't think that was a virtue in that film but is an example of how that can happen that you can take your bad guy you can take your slasher Mm -hmm. and make them sympathetic at the same time so while i don't think that helped that movie it is something that can be done and still have your 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 big bad be a big bad um so yeah Yeah. i i think they could have still had the movie emphasize that we in this country do not take care of our elderly the way we should right and still have our elderly be the slashers with with that being the case, I think it almost supports that point because in Rob Zombie's attempt to thoroughly make Michael Myers uh, sympathetic, to, to borrow your word, it undercut that movie. So if they really truly made Pearl and uh, Howard sympathetic in this uh, scenario, it might have made less of a horror movie. Okay. Yeah. But and, I don't disagree with what you say. What it, what it, what it is unintentionally saying about old people is gross and ugly and makes the movie ugly as an experience. I, I guess the point they lost me was the sex scene. Mm. When when they just were like, ooh, old people having sex. Ooh. I was like, nah, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm that that was my fuck you, Ty West moment where I was like, this is absolutely unnecessary. It was a gratuitous and, and and oddly fucks with the plot a little bit because there's that whole, we can't have sex, his heart's no good, and then they have sex and his heart's fine, and then his heart fucks up later. Yeah. It, it futzes with the logic of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find it utterly fascinating, uh, Donna, because my friend Sammy, which you, you know Sammy, she's seen this as well, and she, I always like opposite ends uh, opposite ends opinions she was so happy for pearl and howard because as she put it she goes pearl just wants a little action that's all she wants and she got it and i'm just i'm happy for her like she that she took that scene as a positive so i find that i always love when it's like people see different things in films and so that was that was her takeaway so oh yeah oh don't get me wrong i was very well Pearl's a crazy person. Yeah. But but don't get me wrong. I was very happy for Pearl that Pearl got got some love. I was very happy that Pearl got what she needed. Um 
But that scene I, is played for gross-out value. Yeah, it absolutely is. Pearl yeah. got what she wanted, but the way they took that camera up so that we could see Howard's gross ass and and be grossed out by Howard's gross ass, that was that's what I'm talking about. About it was mm-hmm. it was unnecessary. But yes, I was very happy that Pearl got some action there before she died. Like, yay, Pearl got what she was wanting out would, of life. Would you believe I really wasn't looking at Howard's ass? I was more focused on uh, Maxine under the bed. And I literally, I know that's happening, but I, that whole time I'm watching her. So I get what you're saying, but I was like, I didn't really notice his <laughs> I'm watching. I'm like, is she going to make it out of there? I, you know, that was, sure. that was my takeaway with it. But I, I, mean, I get it. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you got something different out of that scene. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad to know that. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing with this movie, regardless of which role she's in, I can't look away from Mia Goth, who does Maxine and Pearl. Like, to me, she is she is just fascinating. Like, so that's who I'm like, if she's in the scene, that's who I'm watching, which... And they're kind of set you up for that with the whole, in the beginning, you're a star, you're this nerd, no one like you. And it just kind of, it's like, just, it's repetition that kind of builds in your head. So yeah, you are just watching her. So, but yeah, I get what you're saying. So since you did talk about uh, old people, I didn't realize until this watch that what a workshop did the old age makeup on both uh howard and pearl howard was a makeup job as well he wasn't yeah. just an old guy okay yeah yeah if you look at uh his imdb he's yeah. you know he's older but he's not that yeah, old. he's he's not a young guy yeah he's uh he was born in 1958 so, um so he's in his 60s, 60s yeah um so he, yeah he's not a young guy but he's not as old as he was portrayed yeah, his his old age makeup I didn't question with Pearl before I realized that she was being played by Mia. Um, her makeup never I, I could not figure out what was going on with her makeup. It it wasn't even so much that I questioned she was an older person, but I did there there was always something going on with her makeup for me. And then once I figured it out, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. But for about half the movie, I was like, she doesn't look quite right. Yeah. There's a bit of uncanny valley there, I think. It there it, it was clearly a makeup job, even when you weren't quite putting it together. Then And then she becomes not this, like, going back to this point, uh, this sympathetic figure. She becomes uh, a, cre- uh, a, a monster, a creature. Uh, it's not much more removed from... The Gill Man, or even Karloff in, in Bolts and a Flat Top. Mm-hmm. So, um, and as Maxine, that, a couple of things about Maxine, that really interesting makeup job where she's got freckles on half her face, that was cool. That was really cool. I loved that makeup job. Um, I'm also just fans of people bringing back blue eyeshadow. So, you know... I like that too. Speaking of Maxine, that she always had the blue eyeshadow on. I'm a fan of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she always had that blue eyeshadow. I support the Jamie Lee Curtis rule of you can never have enough blue eyeshadow. So, and the and the really feathered hair right around the right oh around yeah the face. yeah she had the fe- the Farrah hair just Farrah hair. So the movie's taking taking place in 1979. Eh? A <laughs> a wink wink. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Wayne for a minute, though. Okay, let's talk about Wayne. Have you ever seen a part that looks more like it was written for Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. <laughs> that part, I mean, it looks like it was 100% written for Matthew McConaughey. And they just found some other dude to play it. Or, or that they knew that guy and that real like he did a matthew mcconaughey impression at a party and it was like ah now we're talking (laughs) (laughs) enter matthew mcconaughey or his most affordable non-union equivalent (laughs) you know 
Wayne, I, I find Wayne interesting other than the fact that, yes, he is Matthew McConaughey, great value, and that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's called Marthy McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> but he could have been, I don't know, I think it's interesting that he could have been not sympathetic. He could have just been super just gross, like one yeah. note. And the fact he's not, like he does help Lorraine go and try to find RJ. He, he does, you know, he tries to talk RJ down. He may bitch about it, but that felt very real. Like he's still trying. He's not as slimy as possible. And he's not as, they didn't go the complete opposite way and try to make him the uh, stripper mogul with the heart of gold. Yeah. Neither would have felt very believable. But this as a, he felt, for a caricature, he felt surprisingly real. But you know how he was not a real cowboy? He did not put fucking shoes on. That's how you know he's not a real cowboy. No real cowboy is leaving his cabin without shoes on. That's probably true. Yeah. I mean, but Donna, you You, know. You don't walk around, you don't walk around in the country without shoes on. You know who had shoes on? Kid Cudi had his shoes on. Kid Cudi had his shoes on. I'm just saying, Kid Cudi had his shoes on. Donna, you had wanted to talk about, uh, speaking of Wayne, you wanted to talk about his line of... Uh... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He had he had a line that actually hit me pretty hard. It was, a, it was a really good line. And it was perhaps one of the more insightful moments in the movie when he was talking to RJ. It was the moment when right after Lorraine said she wanted to be in the movie and RJ was, was throwing a fit about it. And um Wayne took RJ aside and said to him you've never been 42 but I've been 23 which was a way of saying sit down and listen to me because I've got some experience in this area now the problem is he then followed it up with some not so great advice um I mean the advice he gave was don't say no to women um was it don't say no to women or if you say if you if you remain obstinate and say no about everything, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. The advice he needed to give in that circumstance was you need to let her know what you're feeling. That's the advice he needed to give, because RJ clearly, clearly had some really strong feelings about this. And if, in fact, they had survived that night. That was going to lead to their breaking up. That that's what was going to happen is they were going to break up because oh, yeah. of what happened. RJ clearly couldn't have handled it. So the advice that Wayne needed to give was tell her how you feel about this. Don't say no because you don't have the right to tell her no. Right. But tell her how you feel and then let her make her decision is is the conversation they needed to have. Um, I but, think I think Wayne was saying that as much as he was equipped to. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Wayne um, was doing the best he could for Wayne. Yeah. Having said that, don't say no was, you know what? Yeah. Don't don't tell her no. Um, or she's just going to run off and do whatever the fuck she wants for the rest of your life. Um, was probably you're probably right. That is probably as close as he was going to get to that. Yeah. But um, it was nonetheless a fantastic line. And between it was, it was that and just Kid Cuddy in general were the highlights of this movie for me. Those are good highlights. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Speaking of Lorraine, I do like though that when she's filming her scene, she's got days of the week panties on. Like I thought that was so like, (laughs) That's everything you need to know about her right there. Like, just how she is. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> I cannot, to go completely off topic, I think it's a Stephen King story where the guy talks about how he broke up with his girlfriend because she had, um, or maybe it's a woman talking about how her boyfriend broke up with her because of Days of the Week panties. And he couldn't... Um, uh, because he always asked about Sunday and they didn't have Sunday. Why didn't they have Sunday? Because of God. No, it's when Harry met Sally. When Harry met Sally. You're yeah. right. Why did I think Stephen? Because I guess because most of the stories that stick in my mind are Stephen King. 
But yes, it's Harry Met Sally. You're yeah. absolutely right. We did not think that this conversation would turn to when to, Harry Met Sally, but here, Harry here Sally. we are. Here we are. And why did I think that was Stephen King? It's it's it sounds like a that's story. one that's going to stick with me. Like, oh, I think it's the Stephen King movie. Donna, are you talking about when Harry met Sally? <laughs> it just it sounds like a story a Stephen King female protagonist would say. Hmm. I mean, it yeah, I'll... from the horrifying mind of Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron. <laughs> when ha- Stephen King's when Harry met Sally. <laughs> In Donna's defense. Rob Reiner did do Misery. I'm just there. There is a connection. We've only and, got two two degrees of separation here. And Stand by Me. Yeah, yeah and I Stand do. by Me. So I mean, yeah. it tracks. It tracks. Ordinarily, I would be following this up with Billy. Please delete that and don't let me sound like an idiot. But no, you've got to leave that in. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a moment that needs to be <laughs> saved for posterity. Nora Ephron did an early script for The Lawnmower Man, by the way. Really? No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, of okay, not. that made no <laughs> sense at all. It didn't. I, I had to reach for the weirdest possible movie that Nora Ephron could adapt, and The Lawnmower Man was all I had. And I'm sitting here like going, that is odd. It was, it was, a, it was a good reach. It was, it was good, <laughs> which is why you got a really... <laughs> You know, I had I I meant to start with this. Speaking of going off on tangents, <laughs> oh oh god, he lost his jaw. Shit! For the podcasting audience, Donna is now hoisting a human skull on camera. <laughs> it's plastic, to be fair. I don't know that, and I can't a hundred percent attest to that the veracity of that statement. <laughs> okay, we're we're talking about bones in my human anatomy class now. Okay, anyway. And that's on subject for this movie because it's about boning. <laughs> but I'm so I have a question that I didn't raise as a possible poll question because I didn't think it would be a very long conversation. When did you know that Mia was the preacher's daughter? At the end, the re- when they revealed it. Yeah, I, I had a sense that the preacher footage was going to play in the plot. Uh but I, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I was invested enough in the characters to make that connection until the end. It wasn't a oh this this mysterious plot turn. Uh, Donna, I, had, I think by the question you're saying that you got there a lot earlier than the I rest did. Of us. I yeah. did at the very beginning when they're in the convenience store mm-hmm. and that's playing. He says, "I had a family that turned to sin," and I was like, "It's eh. Mia. It's Mia. Yeah. It's, it, it's Mia. He's talking about Mia." And or Maxine, ch- rather Maxine. Yeah. yeah, I I knew I knew from the beginning because. And my child's real mother is some crazy lady in a shack. <gasps> um, I and I think it's I think honestly the actress gave the TV a side eye, or maybe I'm just misremembering something. But yeah, I I knew I knew from the beginning that it was uh so. Yay me! I'm smart. Woo. Good job, Donna. There is, and I noticed it this second viewing. There is a uh, one of the things, one of her affirmations that she keeps saying. Uh, you hear him repeat it. The preacher on the TV repeat it a little bit later on in the film. Like you hear her say it. Uh, I do not accept a life I don't deserve. That mm. and uh, a little bit later in the movie. The preacher says that on TV. So you kind of get there's, you know, there's definitely hints. But yeah, I didn't until the reveal at the end. That's like, oh, yeah, because I read that the the echoing of the line that the revival broadcast is so ubiquitous that she's taking that message in, but applying it to her own situation. It's just, yeah, it's just in her environment. That would make sense. Sure, sure, sure. It's fortune cookie enough that it wasn't theological and she could be like, ah, this can apply to porn too. Thank you, preacher man, for giving me good porn advice. (laughs) Now, were we talking off mic where you were, or was this earlier where we were asking about uh, 
how wide of net is the broadcast? Yeah, no, it was off mic because it was okay. sort of the formulation of my my okay. pull pitch, but it never quite came together as a pull. Yeah, I, I I am thinking Maxine is much more plugged into this community because I just don't see a what appears to be a twenty four hour revival broadcast is syndicated in any sort of wide reaching way. This is coming from a church with a with that you know, had a UHF antenna donated to it and is broadcasting this uh, as wide as it possibly can. So I, I, my working theory is that Max and Pearl are much more connected than Max or Pearl initially led on, that she knows about this house. She may have even suggested it. She wants all the porno people to die too. Like, let's go to this house and everybody will die. And I'll get a free truck out of the deal. <laughs> Actually, the logic kind of breaks down when you think about it in the context of the movie. But uh, something about the logistics of that, that the, the broadcast make it uh, make me wonder if we have all the information we're supposed to have. Yeah, I mean, she's going to be famous after the footage on that film gets developed. She's going to be famous. She's going to be a star. She doesn't accept a life she doesn't deserve. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's a few counties that that broadcast yeah. in just something. So I would say the area, but maybe not. Depending on how powerful that 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 signal is, it may not be very far at all. I mean, 1979, it's not an actual broadcast channel. It's not somebody with real money behind it for that purpose. I, I'm wondering if it's just in town, maybe a five minute drive. Yeah, yeah. Now. They, they aren't real clear on what era this is set in, so I'm not sure what kind of <laughs> broadcast capabilities they, they have. Then, um, yeah, I mean, UHF, VHF, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, don't have really wide broadcast areas, so county-wide may be as far as that broadcast is going. Yeah. Yeah, um, if it has made it to a local broadcast station, it might be going out as I mean, Texas, Texas is a pretty big area. So if it's gotten as wide as a let's see, Wayne said he was from Houston. Yeah. And he said from Houston as if to say Houston was quite a distance away. Mm. So um, so maybe I'm not. Because I always took it they're coming from Houston. Because Houston's close enough to New Orleans drive-wise because it's Bio Burlesque is the club name. So I always took it they're coming from Houston and going west. west. It feels very West Texas where yeah. they eventually land. Interesting, because I got an East Texas feel. but It could go, could go either way. That yeah. they weren't specific. I know what year it is. I don't know where they are. Yeah. Um, at, at any rate, they're far enough from Houston that he's describing himself as from Houston. Yeah. Um, so yeah, even if they've, even if they've got a, um, local station, that's still only going to cover a couple hundred miles and a couple hundred miles is not that big an area, really, geographically speaking. I, I will say this. I do think the gas station they stop at and the farmhouse are pretty close together because the milk they bought has a missing person on it, which is the guy in the basement. Yep. And you know that VW sunk in the swamp. It's his car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, speaking of the swamp, I love when the gator bit pays off because that's still, even knowing the, even knowing the gators right there when she's swimming, it's still like, it still got me this time too. Like, is she gonna make it out of the water? Is she gonna Maxine? Come on, I need you to swim faster. Like, I even though knowing it, I'm like, yeah, I like I like when bits pay off, and that one's paid off, and it's still still a good bit. It's just I don't know, man. That's not how gators attack people. It it looked like well, biting them on the head, maybe I don't know, but um, it looked like the gator was just there going chomp, 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 chomp. And that's not how they do it. They grab you and then they drag you underwater. And then they, anyway, that's, it's, it, that's a quibble. I'll just get over myself. But, uh, but yeah, the, the chomp on the head was, was pretty, uh, was, that was, that was a pretty good bit. 
How, how okay this is not a, a criticism of where you're coming from donna but a question how many animal attacks in horror movies are you like are you does gets the donna seal of approval um my guess is few if any <laughs> um the jaws was pretty good okay jaws was jaws was good Cujo's pretty good i have some okay. with the depiction of of actually the depiction of rabies right up to the actual moment of full-blown rabies is outstanding um but then once we have full-blown rabies i'm like it's not a superpower it's actually a deadly disease so um but i mean the alligator attack is really a pretty minor point i'm just my in the moment i was like that's not how they do it also i really liked the blonde so britney snow yeah she she was good in this as Bobby Lynn, and she also gave me a cover of Landside, which I didn't know I needed in my life. Yeah. And I'm never, you know, I normally am when it comes to certain songs, I don't want to hear a cover. Someone else do it. I want to hear like that one. I want to hear Fleetwood Mac do it. But this one, she did really good. I mean, I know she can sing. I do want to say the music choices in this movie were pretty good. Some of them I thought were too on the nose, like Don't Fear the Reaper was a little too on the nose. I was kind of like, oh, come on. Come on. But some of the music choices were just outstanding. There were some good ones. Like, I like In the Summertime by Mungo and Jerry. Like, I like that one. Uh -huh. Never mad when I hear that. Don't Fear the Reaper felt a little on the nose. But I yeah. think once, once Carpenter rolled it out for the original Halloween, that was pretty much all all she wrote on that song in horror yeah yeah like um oh what's that what's that credence song that's in every goddamn vietnam movie that uh, fortunate, uh, son? fortunate son yeah that's the one yeah fortunate yeah. son like like that you just can't hear that song without picturing helicopters that and that and wagner oddly enough but yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, so don't fear the Reaper and slasher films. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, the music choice was was pretty fantastic in in this film. Um, I open field jump scares bother me in horror movies. Uh, there's one scene, and I can't even remember which characters were dealing. I, I want to say it was. Um, Lorraine coming back toward where the, the the cabin where they were staying and Wayne may have been there and it was supposed to be like a jump scare like she turns around and there he is I'm like it has to be a tight confined space for a jump scare to even work because now I'm sitting there after being slightly startled thinking how did she not see him there he she was walking toward towards us in this open field and then he's standing there and she's like oh what are you doing here I'm like was he not there I, I want to call out Wayne's underwear <laughs> for doing some heavy lifting. <laughs> I'm sorry, Donna. I'm 12. I'm sorry. Um, I, don't, I just uh, Kenzie. I don't think you're 12. I think that was a uh, that was a comment made for 12 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> and just his confidence for walking out in the world in that pair of underwear because i think an awful lot of people would have put pants on i think many many people would have put pants on rather than going out into the world in that pair of underwear not wayne not wayne and and a cowboy would have put shoes on so but he he, he seems like a counterfeit cowboy at best yeah he's um, he's cowboy for the vibes he's yeah Cowboy for pay. And now he doesn't have eyes. Oh, nope. Doesn't have eyes. Okay. Well, then you you have our uh, our quote. Yep. Uh, to the power of independent cinema. <laughs> so I like that one because that's kind of the field. I know how Donna feels about Ty West, but that's the field he operates in is independent cinema so i was like yeah that feels right that feels that feels right but i also get donna's uh criticism and that's fine that's okay um but this film does have some good quotes gang so we we kind of went back and forth uh mac you also have our rule 
It is a outsourced rule. Uh, we subcontracted out on this one. Uh, my wife came in about five minutes into the movie and was concerned what I was watching. Uh, I explained the context of what I was watching and she still didn't believe me, but stuck around to find out. Uh, but by the end, uh, sh her suggestion for rule was uh, husbands be attentive to your wife's needs. And I think that would have saved at least two characters, a lot of trouble, probably all of them. Mm -hmm. Not Absolutely. that, not that RJ and Lorraine are married, but it would have, you know, with that ethos in mind, they might've had some, an easier time of it. Absolutely. And um, just, you know, I actually might just back up and maybe just say partners, partners sure. be attentive to your, yes. to your, counterparts needs um and just to be specific because i don't remember I've, I've lost track of where we where we discussed this um pearl does not feel young and beautiful anymore um partly because howard does not feel capable of having sex with her um which i mean penis and vagina is not the only way to be sexually attentive to your spouse um there's lots of other ways to have sex so i'm sorry donna in 1979 it's only it's only that yeah. so um until clinton was elected in 92 there actually was no other sex there was it, no other sex it didn't um, exist so you know i i kind of wonder what's wrong with their relationship to begin with that maybe just some nice cuddles on the couch and petting her hair and telling her how beautiful and special she was uh, I just feel like that could have gone a long way, you know? Um, sex toys are a thing. Sex positive. Be sex positive. How sex positive are they going to get in West Texas when the only TV station they can get is the 24-hour revival, though? I mean, I'm saying the, the the deck is stacked against them in the quest for sex positivity. We're not okay. disagreeing okay, with okay, you. Okay, but produce is a thing, Matt. <laughs> produce is a thing. I, I agree that a little creativity can solve a lot of problems. I'm just saying that they're working against the, the, the winds of, sure, of the, the sure. world in which they live in. They have some obstacles. Yeah. yeah. But they are obvi obviously capable of some creative solutions. True. But don't involve murder. Maybe they're, they aren't capable of creativity outside of a murder context maybe the murdering is what finally got their their brains uh working on the problem sort of the shower principle of like if you have a really difficult question that you're like i can't quite wrap my head around this like deactivate your brain go do something else and or take a shower and it, the answer will come to you maybe these people just have to kill in order to you know self-actualize in that way i don't know i don't know <laughs> But kind of a so kind of a spin on that discussion. I have our poll, which is: Do you think they all would have survived if RJ hadn't tried to leave in the middle of the night? No, I think Pearl was fixated enough on Maxine that she was coming out for something anyway. See, I think she was fixated on her, but I, I think RJ is the catalyst of him leaving, and that not I, I feeling think, desired. You know what I mean, yeah. like. Because I she think, hadn't really escalated too much with Maxine, other than just kind of spying on her and talking to her. She hadn't gone full on, I'm going to climb in naked in bed with you and snuggle with you until after RJ's death. I think RJ leaving and kind of rebuffing her advances, I think that she had a knife in her hand. She was on her way to commit murder. Now, the thing is, she is a little old woman. She's a fairly spry little old woman. Yeah. But the, okay, here's the problem this group had is they were not great at communicating with each other. Observe the RJ Lorraine problem. They were not great at communicating with each other, um, which is how half the group got dead before anyone was aware there even was a problem. Actually, most of the group got dead before there was anyone was aware there was a problem. Um, so if this group would have done a better job of saying, hey, I'm going to go out and help old guy look for his wife or, hey, honey, I'll be right back. We're going to go look for RJ. They might have done a better job of staying alive um, 
as it was, we had people not even knowing there was a problem encountering dead bodies. So um, I'm I'm not so sure this group was going to survive just because they didn't communicate very well. And I think that was a barrier to their survival. Yeah, I think to extend that, like, okay, RJ leaves the house. Let's say he doesn't leave the house. I don't think he goes first if he doesn't leave the house. But I think over the course of the night, one of them was going to leave and Pearl was still going to be wandering the grounds with a knife. So it's a question of who's who who lights the fuse uh, yeah. rather than does the fuse get lit? You know, the difference, the difference might have been if RJ didn't leave the house, they might not have split up as fast. Um, now that I think about it, because what got them to split up and isolate themselves was our okay i actually may be about to change my answer <laughs> because <laughs> what got them to split up because they were as they loved to talk about young um and therefore <laughs> healthy and strong uh what made them an easy prey for pearl was that they were isolated and um therefore easy for pearl to kill um so um, when RJ left the house, he isolated himself. And then Wayne and um, Lorraine Lorraine left the house. Wayne crippled himself by stepping on a nail and then crawled around and got stabbed in the eyes. Lorraine isolated herself by going down in the basement and getting locked in. Then uh, Jackson um, made himself um, um, vulnerable to... Um, Howard. So, you know, one by one, they isolated themselves in response to uh, RJ leaving the house. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think they all still might have died. I just don't know that it would have been quite as easy if RJ hadn't left. I think somebody would have left in the at some point in the night and it just would have been a different order. Okay. To, to expect that group to stay put all night long was probably too much. Yeah. Like I said, I I'm still so on the fence. Like I kind of I kind of think that they wouldn't have, but I don't think either one of you are wrong either. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so do you think Howard knew what Pearl was up to? I don't think this is the first time it happened. Obviously, it's not because of the guy in the basement. Yeah. So I mean, I think yeah. that And that was unclear to me. Like the guy in the basement for at first I thought, oh, that must be RJ, but then you know it's not it's some other guy yeah right. yeah they needed to give us a longer shot of his face because i was sure his face <laughs> <laughs> well i didn't know what rj's cock looked like i'm sorry but well, i knew what rj's face looked like so a longer shot of his face yes yes observant moviegoers would <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, um, anyway, do we have anything else about X? I just, goddamn, I think just fuck you, Ty West. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Fuck you. All right. So, uh, complete opposite end. Let's talk happy places. I will go first. So, my, my happy place this week is. Uh, the TV show Reservation Dogs, which if you guys aren't watching it, it's super funny and super well done. But more specifically to the point, you know, we all, we talk about on here representation and the importance of it. And there is a actress on it and she usually guest stars. She's got her own show on Peacock, Rutherford Falls. Her name's Jana Schmending. She's super funny. Uh, she is what would people would say with plus size, but it is never the joke on reservation dogs about her weight. It's all when she shows up, she's mean and she's funny, but in that's what it is. Like it's never brought up. And I just, besides seeing her being that and any other comedy show, that would be the joke from everybody around would be her weight. And you don't have that with her character, Bev. It's always, no, she's mean. <laughs> and I just, I just think that's, I mean, I love the show anyway, and that's just just a little faucet of why I do. I uh, I make these uh, <laughs> I make these lecture videos for my class this semester is half 
online and half in person. So our, our lab, we meet in person, but my lecture videos are, my lecture is on video. And I learned today that the, um, that the video capture program that we learn, we use for a uh, school <laughs> is very determined, tremendously <laughs> determined to focus on a face. So I was trying really hard. We were lecturing about bones today and I have for um, which none of you have the video feed. So I was trying really hard on the video to show this articulated foot that I have here, bones of the foot. And the camera kept shifting focus to my face as I was trying really hard to get it to focus on the bones. And, and there's this lecture video and I just made the deliberate choice to not edit out this absolutely ridiculous sequence where I'm just laughing my ass off because I'm basically playing hide and seek with the camera <laughs> as I'm trying to show my students this bone in the foot. <laughs> Every time I would move the foot in front of the camera the camera would shift to my face <laughs> and it's hilarious and I was just laughing so hard trying to go no this bone gosh darn it this bone no shoot <laughs> this bone <laughs> just, oh my gosh it was the one of the funniest things that's happened to me in a long time it was fantastic and ridiculous and absurd and oh my gosh it cracked me up just a ridiculous, funny thing that happened to me this week. Um, been a weird couple of weeks for me. Uh, what with the Rona and uh, all that. Uh, school started again, which uh, it's almost immediately clear that I did not do anything productive to try to alleviate my uh, creeping sense of burnout at the end of last semester. It just came back at 10. I'm like, oh, good. Didn't even ramp up. <laughs> Uh, the happy place though, that I, I will attach myself to is that, uh, it's not going to feel like one immediately, but, uh, this summer I started working on a new novel and, uh, I'm about 32,000 words into it and I'm throwing it away. It's, it, it isn't working. Uh, there's another book I should be working on. So I'm, I'm happy that I could take that moment. I'm not, if they say throwing it away, I'm putting it in a drawer. If it comes up again, it comes up again, but this one's not the book for right now. And uh, I'm going to start working on the other book. All okay. right. Excellent job. Not falling for the sunk cost fallacy. Indeed. All right. Well, you guys can find us on uh, social media on Instagram and Twitter at beyond cabin. You can find us on Facebook beyond the cabin in the woods as well as our website, beyondthecabinthewoods.com. Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dragon Goblin. There's no I in Goblin. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Party Apocalypse. Uh, this podcast and other podcasts are at partyapocalypse.com, including uh, The Holodeck is Broken uh, and Friendables, two friends talking about Hannibal Lecter. Thank you so much to our editor, Billy, for... Hey, Billy. <laughs> always making us sound fantastic and also thank you so much for listening we do appreciate it and if you're so inclined you know rate and review us and don't read the letter you know what horror is <laughs>